0: This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get delivered to your door for a fraction of the price you pay in stores. To learn more right now, please visit casper.com supertrain and buy Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. No credit card required. Enter offer code supertrain at checkout and you will get 10% off your first purchase Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going?
1: Good. Good. Happy Monday. (laughs) I feel like Bez this morning. Is that the dancer in that band? Yeah, that's right. The Happy Mondays. Wow. He's the dancer. The professional, uh, the accompanying dancer. Is
0: he? Uh, did he start out professional, or were they must have just invited him on stage to do a little dance?
1: I think he probably invited himself on stage. Yeah, uh, there was another band here in the northwest that had uh, had their own dancer.
0: I uh, I'd love to hear why you feel like Bez, but also I am a fan of bands who uh, have a superfluous dancer on stage. I like that.
1: How, how many do you know? It depends on
0: how you define it. I think Bob from Pavement kind of started out as a guy doing a dance on stage. I think
1: you're right. I think you're right. And then they gave him a stick, right?
0: They uh, they, uh, they might have given him a stick. <clears throat> he uh, used to be the old drummer supposedly used to like hand out food at the door.
1: Like yeah. shake, shake, shake
0: everybody's hand. Gary, is that his name? <laughs> Gary. Gary.
1: Eh, Gary. <laughs> so uh, many Garys and they're all wonderful.
0: And then there was a time, of course, like in the, in the 60s, you just have uh, people dancing on stage. I think it was just part of the people really used to put on a show.
1: That's right. Uh, it, it, there was a Portland band called Hazel, uh, which was uh, the, the Pete Krebs band, and uh, they had a dancer named Fred. Huh. Fred was a little bit older than everybody else in the band, and the thing, the thing about them is that they were just an indie rock band. You know, they were, they were an excellent indie rock band. I remember the name very much. Yeah, but they had, a, they had a, like a middle-aged guy with a long beard dancing on stage with them, which at the time was quite quite a spectacle not what you expected
0: yeah yeah well uh, i'd like to circle back to this can i ask why you
1: feel like Bez today hmm are you a little winded no 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 let me tell you so in my office now i have a keurig a Ke- keurig you got a keurig a keurig and so i spent i was a little bit late to the program 15 minutes late because that was the fifteen minutes it took me to figure out my Keurig. Was this your first, uh, your first pull? The first one. So first I'm sitting drop? here. I'm sitting here. I'm drinking it. I'm drinking it out of a mug that has my own picture on it, because that was the only mug that I had here. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and it's delicious. It's delicious. It's nutritious. It's my own coffee. My own coffee and my own strange little packety coffee maker. I'm into it though. Yeah. You know, like, here I go. Was it a gift? Mm. Oh, nice. Oh, oh, the co- oh, the coffee. Uh it was it was a Christmas present. And um Oh, it's simple Merlin, it just simplifies the process of making coffee so much. All you have to do is just push like 14 buttons.
0: Wait, wait, 11 yeah. minutes. Yeah. I don't want to rain on your parade. There's, there's, there's a, a few things I really, really like about the Keurig and then like a, a very large number of things I don't like about it. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh. Tell me, as
1: a new Keurig, Keurig owner, I'm very, very curious.
0: Well, you know, maybe I should, I should hold back. I don't want to mm-hmm. sour mm-hmm. your experience mm-hmm. of it. My lady, uh, works in a job at a, at a fancy office yeah. and, uh, it's got lots of nice perks she can, like, walk to the gym. You know, mm-hmm. she's got a standing desk. they the got huddle rooms. Oh, a lot the of perks.
1: Perquis- perquisites, they call that's, it. that's why you get a job for the perks.
0: I think when you get a job in, uh, you know, in her case, medicine and education, there's a lot of perks. Mm-hmm. Free medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she's got a Keurig machine. The reason we ended up getting a Keurig machine is she has one in her workplace where she can walk a few steps, go to the little kitchen. And the thing about her Keurig machine is it's got, like, a dedicated water line. Whoa! It's a it's a it's a plugged in Keurig. So you, can you imagine how that changes everything? It fucking changes everything. So you walk up, you got one of these little uh, buckets. It looks it's kind of like a giant sized Cisco creamer. Yeah. You drop it in, an incredibly sharp needle goes into it, and then it squirts out some coffee for you. Yeah. And it's it's the the, the thing I will say about the Keurig it is when it works is it is
1: insanely consistent. Mm. Mm-hmm. And convenient. Consistent and convenient. Those are two things that I want. Yeah. Uh, because I am an, you know, I'm here, uh, and at the office and sometimes I want another cup of coffee, but it's a long way to get a co- cup of coffee here.
0: Well, can I ask you about your, I don't want to ask you too much about your office for a variety mm-hmm, of reasons, mm-hmm, but what, mm-hmm. what is the basic setup in terms of amenities? I assume that you have a desk with your yes. Mac on it. Yep. You've got probably a lot of empty Amazon boxes.
1: There's, that's true.
0: And so what are, what is the setup for things like, you know, I'm always interested in bathrooms. What's yep. the bathroom setup? What's the, uh, the kitchen and food setup? Is there refrigeration? Could you give a rough idea of what a day is like for you in terms of the amenities and perks?
1: Uh, absolutely. So my office is, as you know, constructed in a former uh, immigration prison. What? Uh, well, I didn't know that. Oh, really? Oh, oh. my goodness. Well, so it's a, so it's a beautiful uh, Art Deco building that was built um, to house foreigners. That we just we determined we did not want to just roam around so this was in the um this was pre-world war ii uh, when the biggest sort of problem the biggest immigration problem here in seattle i think were chinese and and uh other sort of asian you know filipinos that were coming on the uh, working on ships and then they were trying to immigrate and and we had some issue with that so we're this was, the new, this was the new prison at the time. I think before that they were just, uh, you know, people whose immigration status was unclear were just held in warehouses or wharfs. Uh, and in addition to being the new immigration prison, it was also the assayer's office. So if you wanted your, if you wanted your uh, poke of gold assayed, you would, oh,
0: you would I also see. bring it
1: here if you wanted your little, if you wanted your, your ore.
0: So if you went out and reconnoitered the rim you can bring in what you find
1: and they'll let you know if it's a good claim. Uh well, they will actually, yeah, they will tell you they'll tell you what your gold is going for like it it's um they'll put it on the scale in other words. Wow, wow, wow. Uh and so it continued in that role and then the war came, so there were, uh, this was not I mean they they decided that they were going to deport all of the Japanese Americans to camps. And this was sort of the headquarters of that process.
0: Oh, so it started out more like uh, *Vita Corleone* in, in, in a room, and became more like a uh, halfway house to getting people to those camps
1: uh, during the war. And oh, then af- after the war, successive waves of people emigrating to Washington created a you know a, a sort of like, oh, your immigration status is you don't have a passport or you don't. You know, you are uh, applying for asylum here, and it was a kind of place that uh, the the goal was to process people through it. But a lot of times, you find people who just need to be deported to their original country. Okay. Sometimes you find people where their original company doesn't or country doesn't want them back, and that's where you get people in a limbo state. America wants to send them away and then no country wants them oh my god and so then they live in a limbo state where they are locked in this prison until they are until their status is resolved and as you can imagine the the people whose job it is to resolve that status are underpaid and overworked and harried and so forth Well, talk about being stuck in the system yeah and so there there were for many years people that just lived in a prison and there was no, they, they continued to have no status. Do you remember that guy that lived in the airport? He lived in, he landed in, in uh, New York City, landed at JFK. And right, they, right. And they,
0: made, they made a movie about him because yeah. he, he was in an international airport and he couldn't, couldn't get out. He couldn't go
1: anyplace else. Yeah, right. He just was stuck in this like in-between state. So this prison, you know, developed a reputation as being a pretty bad place. Just because there were people stuck here for years and they had no recourse to any law. Uh, So as time went on, you know, then there were then there were a lot of Latin American people here and a lot of Muslim people here. And at a certain point after 9-11, it was determined that this prison wasn't big enough. We needed to build a new prison, hmm. a super big state-of-the-art prison to house all of the new people that we were going to hold.
0: Is that the Tacoma Northwest Detention Center? That's
1: the one. And so this was the Bush era when we were, A, building a lot of prisons, and B, holding a lot of people. And so there, there here was this there, here was this enormous terracotta prison right in the center of... Seattle's international district that no one knew what to do with. So they just surplused it. They just sold it to some dudes. And the dudes thought, oh, man, because it's a very cool building. They were like, oh, we'll we'll set it up with T1 lines and it'll be a super rad tech office. Wow. And then the tech crashed. Oh, sure. And they said, you know what? Rather than do that, we're just going to throw up some drywall and rent it to a bunch of artists because right at that time, Seattle's Pioneer Square neighborhood, which had formerly been the art, artist loft place, was being swept with a, with a wave of gentrification and all the artists were getting pushed out. There was a place called the Washington Shoe Building, which was an old shoe factory, and it was that kind of artist hive where you'd walk in and the walls were all wackadoodle and people were having... Crazy parties like wonderful, wonderful art parties and people living in there illegally and, you know, and making art. So a lot of the old respectable artists that had come up in the Washington Shoe Building just moved over to this place, which was formerly the, um, what did they call it? The INS building. And the new owners changed that to In scape so i n s scape inscape <laughs> hmm. uh so no t one lines, no uh, amenities really of any kind, and my office is a corner office in what was formerly the men's dormitory where people lived in bunk beds in a giant you know holding. Place Where I think they lived for a long long time, there were bars on the windows uh, I'm up on the top top floor so uh, and and you know there are stories of guys that like climbed out on the on the ledge and jumped to their deaths because it was so so abysmal here oh my god um, and now some artists have turned the uh, inscape building into a living museum where they commemorate all of the eras of of its prison Uh And there are all kinds of art parties here now, and it's a and on my floor, like, painters and photographers, and there's a woman that does a wonderful thing, which I'm sure you know about, which is she goes into business meetings and she diagrams the meeting. What? Maybe you don't know about this. No, I it's, love it, though. It's a kind of art, but also a business... Strategy where they're having a meeting and she is kind of simultaneously like turning the meeting into a big, uh, flow charty wall art thing, which then allows you to look at the meeting in and in like a whole piece of data, data art. Wow. Uh, and let's see, there's a woman next door who is, I mean, there are a lot of like. Uh, encaustic sculptor type people who are melting wax and burning things, potters. But what that means is an industrial sink halfway down the hall, mm-hmm. a dormitory bathroom at the far end of the hall from me. And no kitchen, no... I mean, you just have to build your own little kitchen in your own place.
0: So if you want running water, you got to go to the sink.
1: You got to go to the sink to get uh, water. Okay. All and right. And you, you got to go down the hall to go to the bathroom, which is like shared. Ugh. Yeah, I know. And I mean, but it's kept, it's kept reasonably clean. There is a, there's a manager here that sort of it does a, a pretty darn good job of, of running herd on everybody. Um, the free pile is pretty amazing down in the basement right now. I would say the free pile has gone to shit. People are just dumping trash there. But over the years, like, you know, you find a dentist chair there. I mean, I've outfitted my whole place with stuff I found in the building. <laughs> there's a couch. There's a table with four chairs. There's a desk. Um, it's
0: uh, it's living history.
1: It's living history. That's right. And I, and I like the space. I like the weird people.
0: So the Keurig is a good fit for you in that sense.
1: Yep, that's right.
0: You got to fetch some water.
1: You gotta, and, I've, and I've got a pitcher so I can go get the water without taking the Keurig, Keurig apart. Right. And uh, yeah, I've got a little space heater. You got, you got a fridge? No fridge. You should get a fridge. Well, so what I did was I bought a I bought a box of those little creamers.
0: Oh, the, like, aseptic uh, Don't Go Bad creamers?
1: <laughs> yeah, the Don't Go Bad creamers. And uh, I figure they won't go bad for six months or something like that. What else would I want in the fridge? Greek yogurt? Greek yogurt? You could have uh, seltzers? Yeah, I don't I don't mind a warm seltzer. Yeah. I don't know. One of my favorite
0: things, I've got, you've been here. Uh, I've got a uh, Costco dorm fridge. Right. I've got uh, our old microwave. And I've got a Cuisinart hot pot uh, water boiler for uh for making hot beverages
1: well what's nice about your office is you know you got the private bathroom and the oh little, boy it's just steps away steps yeah. away and uh, and that's great and you know you could actually you know if you and the wife had a disagreement you could go down and live in your office for don't, a couple don't of think days. i haven't thought about it <laughs> and and here i mean i sleep i take naps here of course but i do it just stretched out on the floor with a because the couch is too small to sleep on
0: yeah, I got a sleeping bag and a pillow I pull out a couple times a month, and I'm worried that when, on the very rare occasion, my landlord, who's really great, uh, when he comes here, I, I worry that he thinks there's something kind
1: of weird going on here. <laughs> that it's a live workspace?
0: Yeah, you know, I feel guilty and worried about everything, but like, yeah, exactly, that maybe maybe I'm like stretching the uh, stretching the coat a little
1: bit. So you've got a big shelf unit that has a bunch of uh, dolls on it, Supergirl and Superboy and Girl Boy and... And Dynamite twins, Oh, the great DC villain, girl boy, <laughs> and uh, and uh, whatever, like Bat Bat person and uh, and Green Green person, person Bat, um, big boob girl, big boob girl uh, with the black uh, eyes, bigger bigger boob girl. Uh, on my shelf, let's see what I have. I have a, uh, I have a piano. I have a second piano. What? Well, I mean, electric electric pianos, like Rhodes? a Rhodes. I have, yeah, I have a Wurlitzer and a Rhodes, and then I have a <laughs> Juno 106. And then I've got a a, a very big crate of kazoos. That oh, those the,
0: old Long Winters kazoos? Long Winters
1: kazoos. Uh, we, we, we bought you know 10,000 of those, and we sold a lot of them, but we still have a lot of them. And I've got some, oh, I don't want to say kind of what I've got because people are going to start hassling me, but I've got some Long Winters vinyl, some... John Roderick books, some old t-shirts, vintage Long Winters t-shirts, including a couple of girl baseball sleeve snowblower t-shirts.
0: Wow. Those are, this is all classics. And, and, and Classic. I'm just imagining, do you have any of your, uh, you know, Roderick uh, campaign materials there?
1: I've got some Roderick campaign materials if anybody's <laughs> interested in those. <laughs> That's quite a living museum you've got there. It is, uh, including a giant banner, a huge, huge Roderick, Vote Roderick banner. Is it unfurled? Uh, it's not unfurled. No, I could put it on the wall, but I would not still a little soon. <laughs> a little soon. Too soon. Ugh. And then I've got various and sundry things that I found in the free pile uh that I was like, "Hmm. Uh yeah. What the hell? That that's a cool box."
0: I do that. Sometimes I find things on the street. Now, this is another thing I worry about with the landlord. Sometimes I'll find things on the street and I'll just pick it up for no reason and bring it in. Like I've got a I've got a pallet. You yeah. know? Oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know why I have a pallet, but I thought maybe someday I that could use that for something.
1: Well, sure. After the apocalypse, you break it up and it'll make a campfire.
0: You can make a campfire or a very, very tiny house.
1: Oh, you can make a tiny house. That's mm-hmm. right. For a for, uh, for, uh, girl boy to live in. Girl boy and green, <laughs> green boy to live in. And uh, Wilberforce and... Wilberforce and uh, a uh, uh, blank-eyed lady. Yeah, Dr. Bald. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by going to squarespace.com. As you probably know, I'm a huge fan and evangelist of Squarespace. I've used them for over five years now, and I think they're the best. It's not only the place that I use for hosting many of my own sites, and yes, my podcasts, including the one you're listening to. It's also the first place I recommend for anybody who wants to do the same. Squarespace sites are gorgeous. They are professionally designed masterpieces, and they look great out of the box. You do not have to be a nerd to make these things work. They have intuitive, easy-to-use tools that take all the pain out of getting your stuff up. Plus, Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power your site. That ensures security and stability. Even if you get a link from an internet celebrity like John Roderick, Squarespace is trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected companies in the world. And today, I want to remind you that Squarespace also offers some amazing e-commerce functionality. That means with Squarespace, you can design a best-in-class online storefront. You can sell your own stuff right on the internet. It's crazy. You get award-winning templates, customizable settings, shoppable lookbooks, and more, all without a single plugin. Thing is, your store is going to look great everywhere, including on mobile. Managing orders is painless, and they even help you determine shipping rates and generate labels. It's all in one place. This is solid gold. Here's the part that's crazy town banana pants. These Squarespace plans, they start at $8 a month. That even includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year, which you should totally do. So please check these folks out. I love them. I use them. I tell everybody, so give these folks a try. They're the best. And tell your friends about it. You can start your free trial site today with no credit card required by visiting squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, please make sure to use that very special offer code, SuperTrain, and that will get you 10% off your first purchase. Beautiful website. Oh, you're gonna be so happy. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick line and all the great shows. Squarespace build it beautiful. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> I'm such a poor housekeeper that even now uh, all of your stuff including the coffee cup that you used it's all still in exactly the same place. I haven't moved it. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, there's a giant there's a giant pile of Marvel dolls on the floor that
1: that you uh, that you've examined and uh, described. That mm-hmm. uh, well, yeah. I could tell I could tell that it wasn't you hadn't recently swept through there with a big cleaning. Well, this section. is the problem. And one of my questions, It's uh, we should give out the Keurig,
0: I guess. But, uh, but you know, I, it seems like you have a very particular feeling about your space at home. Mm-hmm. And you have your collections. And you've got things set up a certain way. So does that same philosophy apply at your office? Because I, I mostly just clean up occasionally and move stuff around and fill more banker's boxes. It's, it's pretty uh, utilitarian.
1: Well, let me say... That the state of my house currently is embarrassing. No. Why would uh would you be- say
0: that, John Roderick? Why would you say such a thing?
1: Well, because somewhere along the line, uh, in October, I just started to let it all go to hell. And I and I put it back together, I think once in late October, did a big clean, put everything back together, but it was it was um it wasn't that the house itself was teetering, but it was that I was teetering.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then in November, I let it go again.
0: And also, at this point, you're still dealing with the election.
1: Well, I'm. I'm you know, I'm. I have processed it, but I'm looking into the future. I'm like, what's going to happen? I mean, happen like in here?
0: October. Like in October, when when was the when did your part Be- in the race end?
1: Beginning of August. So oh, I okay. you know It's but, been that long. Yeah.
0: <gasps> oh my gosh.
1: I know. That's insane. The city council, the Seattle city council has been seated. The election is completely over and they've all taken their jobs. And it won't be the same without you. Well, it's true. It's true. But they, you know, the Seattle, Seattle just didn't share my vision. Yet. Uh, yet. That's right. Anyway, I let it go in November and then I went away for a month and a half on tour. Tourish, tourish kind of things. And now uh, walking into my house the, you'll be greeted by just utter chaos a chaos in every direction, including I took apart my I took apart my bed in order to replace it with my casper bed and that whole process because I'm sleeping now on the casper bed that I put in the guest room right so I emigrated to the guest room and in the whole time I've lived in the house i'd never I never lived in the guest room it's the guest room that's what, it says it right on it. Uh, but that's now the I'm, one
0: that kind of in the back by the stairs that 's right. the stairs okay
1: now I 'm living in the guest room, and my bedroom, like the sleigh bed is all dismantled but hasn't been removed there's an extra couch upstairs that doesn't belong there that never should have gone there. It was hard to get there and now it has to get out of there. Oh
0: you're singing my song Ah.
1: Oh. yeah, and uh, oh. there's a desk up there that doesn't belong there there's a there's a there's a new casper reality just waiting to be implemented. Uh, and then downstairs, oh, there's another desk that doesn't belong there. There's some furniture that I just, there's some furniture I found in the barn that needs to go. I'm wearing my couch out. And on top of it all is a thousand unread New Yorker magazines. All that stuff I got back from the burglary that I decided I needed to sort again. Oh, sure. It's, it's got to find a new place in, the, in your new uh, new reality. Right. But that's all half-sorted and then there's a layer of, like, a layer of books and novels and stuff that's all on top of that. And then there's a layer of just wool over everything. Sure. And so uh, every time I walk into my house now, I'm I'm overwhelmed by the the daunting scale of just what needs to be done. And so I'm becoming someone who's just walking through the clearing. On the way. And there are a lot of like I so I started doing my hobbies and projects in the kitchen because there wasn't any space anywhere. And now the kitchen counters are all covered with this boxes. Is, this and is this is robots. so similar,
0: so similar to what we're dealing with at home right now, where there's been this perfect storm is an overused phrase, but there's been a confluence of several things that have happened. Um including that my wife works full time now. I'm, you know, not super busy, but I'm doing more than I was like six months ago. Uh Christmas comes along so all kinds of new things come in the house because of christmas uh and also my daughter i am on the one hand very proud to say has gotten really into mm, we'll just say arts and crafts she's very but stuff like drawing you know painting that kind of stuff that's bad enough but she also does things with beads and just all of these little projects there's lego everywhere and my problem is like i hear you because i feel like i come in the house and it's a little depressing Partly because it's like a tile puzzle. We're like if if I if, if half of this stuff was just gone, I would be able to clean the place up. Right. But you can't really properly if you got two desks you don't need in your house, like you got a bigger problem. Yes. You need a hauler. You need you need somebody to come in with the big claw and like actually take
1: some giant things out to make more room in the tile puzzle. That's exactly right. And then on top of it, like one of the big, big problems, and I, I and I'm embarrassed to say this, but one of the big problems honestly, is that I have too many blazers. <laughs> uh, in the last... That seems like something you could collect and organize. But but there's only so much closet space in any one place. And I just... I just really found a lot of good blazers in the last couple of years. And, um, and I didn't say no to any of them, the good ones, because they were only $8 and they were lovely. But now I have... So many blazers oh, that gosh. I just don't I don't have the closet space for them, but I take them out and I arrange them, you know, I spread them out and look at them and say, which of these blazers can I get rid of? And I'm like, well, I need the orange linen one, and I need the green felt one, and I need the blue tweed one, and I need that other tweed one. And then pretty soon I'm like in that headspace where it's like, well, what if I get asked to a to an orange tweed party? Yeah, right. You're not going to uh, find that twice. Yeah, right. So then... And that's part of, part of like the looming eBay store that I'm going to launch. is going to be a play, I, like a pipeline for all this stuff to go out into the world. And I'm just hoping. The problem is when we, when we did our show, our live show the other day, I was looking at the audience and I was saying, how many of these people are 44 and 46 longs? Mm. Right? Because that's the, that's the market for pretty much everything I own. I'm going to put a bunch of blazers up online, but if you're not a 44 long or a 46 long, or forty-two long. Let's because there aren't going to be that many people who buy it just
0: to have, uh, you know, a creepy piece of John's past.
1: Yeah, people aren't going to put it on the wall like a kimono. Oh man, can you imagine? Right? <laughs> it's a, a tweed jacket up up on the wall in a big giant frame in the John room. Uh, um, so no, I expect that these will be practical items for people, but there it's going to be a limited number of people. If you are if you're five six, uh, these things are going to be it's. There's not really going to be anything.
0: I don't know. It'd be pretty cute, like a girl, uh, like a girl five six with a pixie cut and wearing a
1: forty six long. That's pretty cute. <laughs> with a belt, a forty six long with like a ribbon belt, <laughs> exactly, uh, and rolled up sleeves. I mean, I could see it. I can't too. Uh, actually, that's pretty cute. Yeah, super cute. But uh, yeah, just move the buttons, right? Just move the buttons over into make it into a double breasted jacket with I, giant, I, I giant had...
0: sleeves. <laughs> it would look like a kimono. I um. Mm. I I think I've talked about this before, but like there's something I do every, depending on where it is, what it is every year, two or three, which is calling the hauling guy. Mm. And the thing is, this is not, this is the final part of the problem, but getting to that part is difficult. So basically, there's these places you can call, and I don't like doing this. I, I feel weird about it. I don't think it's super environmentally sound, but my environment needs to be made more sound by doing this, which is I will just get a, and I don't, I don't know if this is for you, but it's just something to think about. You get some contractor bags, like a bunch of contractor bags, and just just start filling, 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 filling them up. And the amazing part is, like, I go through so much anxiety with that, where it's like, ugh, I don't want to throw this out. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want this stuff going to the dump. I feel terrible about all of this. But the amazing part is, in my case, a few months ago, I did this for my office, and this, like, five guys and a big pickup truck show up, and honestly, it was about 18 minutes mm. from my life is virtually unlivable in this office to, like, a new start. <laughs> and it is it is one of those, like, talk about a weight off your shoulders. Again, I'm not saying it's the greatest thing environmentally, but, like, what are you going to do? Are you going to be your own personal garbage dump for the rest of your life?
1: Own personal garbage dump.
0: <laughs> but just if you could just get the the desks out that would be a start you have some kids come and carry your desks out that would be a huge start you can also do something like a task rabbit you can have somebody come and make a bed for you that's probably beneath you uh-huh. but mm-hmm. i'm just saying mm-hmm. you might need to outsource some of this hey kids get these desks out of here you could probably fi- find some urchins in the
1: neighborhood well and so the thing is like i'm I'm starting to look at my candlestick collection with a with a different eye with a with a little bit of a jaundiced eye yeah and i'm saying i got too many candlesticks i really don't i don't need these And that's something I could put on my eBay store and someone of any size could buy.
0: You need, in some ways, your barn is probably not up to it. You wouldn't want it to be your office. I don't think anybody else in your life would allow it. You need a third place. A storage shed, not great, because nobody ever opens a storage shed after they buy it. No,
1: it it just becomes a place where spiders live. That's right.
0: It becomes a place where spiders move into your stuff. Yeah, right. But you kind of need, you need you know, you almost could get one of those storage. like You can have those, you know, like people do that thing where they move now, where you can have like a big storage container. You put your stuff in and they ship that out to a place. Mm-hmm. You almost could use a storage container
1: somewhere uh, on your property mm-hmm. for a month mm-hmm. is, is a thing. What I really want and need is a basement. Like I am a basement dweller. Oh, I, I truly am. Sense. I I learned that about myself. There, are people that like to live in an upstairs environment. I am at late at night. I want to be in a basement. Yeah. And if I'm in a basement, then it, then it feels it feels appropriate that I be surrounded by crazy projects. And it's all down in Daddy's basement, and and you close the door, and just the insanity happens down there. You can play the guitar. You can you can build a train set. You can do whatever lunatic thing that you want to do. But my house doesn't have a basement. It's just one of those houses that was built uh, built on the ground for all intents and purposes. And it's the one thing that I rue is that I don't have a basement. And, you know, I could dig out under the house and build a basement. But what a project. Oy, oh, come on. No. like the
0: vault. Oh, no, no, no. That would be too much. We, the, the last place that I lived in Tallahassee... Uh, and Tallahassee's not so much of a basement kind of place. Is Seattle
1: a basement place? Are there a lot of basements there? Uh depends, but no. I mean, yes, but no. It's no. not a it's not a massive there there are basements, but it's it's not, not
0: like, you know, the you know, mid Atlantic or the Midwest, where like you just get a basement the size of your house with your house.
1: No. It's I mean there there plenty of houses here have basements, plenty don't. I mean, in Anchorage A lot of houses don't have basements. They're just, you know, they just throw some boards on the ground and start building a house. In Uh, Tallahassee, I would imagine that you'd have alligators down there, right? I mean, well, yeah,
0: because of the sea level situation, uh, it's not as bad as Miami, but like the last house I lived in, which seemed improbably expensive at $750 a month, uh, had an entire, it wasn't actually technically, it wasn't part of the house that we were renting. So like we weren't supposed to use it but except to do like laundry, but oh my God, it had an entire, you know what I mean, I'm talking about where you've got a basement that's almost the size of your house. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's the footprint of your house and oh. it was, it was finished so that it could be like a nice in-law oh, and, yeah. and it had like a full bathroom and it had a whole separate area, like a utility area for storage and, uh, and laundry. Oh, you're giving me a chubby. I know. Well, As this we is if you live say. in in what a Seattle, San Francisco, New in Manhattan, like you know, like oh my god, what a dream that that would be to have your own dedicated area, area for stuff that like wasn't the the living right now stuff that you could go down to and play guitar. Oh my god, what a dream!
1: You do you remember the split level house? Did you ever live in a split level? Uh,
0: I think I know what that means. We're like are you talking about like a sunken living room in a ranch style house.
1: Nope, no, no, oh, no. Split
0: no. level where the, where
1: the where the parents have their own area. Well, you walk in the front door. Split split plan. Split Split, split, split plan. Split
0: plan. Split plan is a very split, popular kind of design. Split plan. Split plan. Split plan. So you got you got a middle area of the house where you've got all the common rooms. Way over in this other side of the house, you've got two or three bedrooms for your dumb kids. And then and then there's this wing over here where you go mm. down a hallway and you enter into this zone with a separate door for like your entire grown up master living area.
1: Oh, I like a separate zone.
0: Right? And so you got a giant, so you go into a door and you've got your giant, giant closet, maybe two closets. You got a big bathroom and you got your big
1: uh, master bedroom, maybe with a sliding door and a wet bar. Uh, that's a fantastic sounding thing. But a split level house. Oh, sorry. <laughs> is one where you walk in the front door and you are immediately greeted by a choice upstairs or downstairs? Like the stairs. Oh, sure. The entryway is basically you're on a landing between going up and going down. I totally know what you mean. It's not exactly a townhouse. It's kind of a classic,
0: like, big city, Philadelphia-ish kind of place where you get this area, the zone, a common zone you come into where you're like, okay, will you go down to the sleeping and hang out or, like, up to the kitchen and
1: family area? Yes, but no. No. This is a suburban house, which which is wider than it is deep. So it's wide. It's 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 built on the it's built on the 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 width. When you look at it from the front, there's always a there's always kind of a two car garage, and then the 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 front door is set not in the very middle of the the face, but sort of you know skewed over two thirds. Front door is two thirds, in you know in a classic proportion. Yeah, sure. You walk in. And you either go upstairs to a big open-plan living room, and then there's a little dining room in the back, and then a kind of long kitchen, and then down the hall from the living room, back over the two-car garage, are like three to four bedrooms. Let's say three bedrooms.
0: I see. I, not, not, not Brady Bunch, but like a kind of classic. Yep. There's, it's got a little pop-up. Yep, now
1: you're getting it. Okay. Now you're getting it. Sort of. Brady Bunch was a was a very cool, modern, architecturally cool one example of this, but it would have been in a neighborhood of these. And then if you go downstairs, there's a, a big rec room and probably another bathroom, the laundry room, and another bedroom. And that is the uh, – that that bottom bedroom – is the one I think that you put your teenager in or your mother, right? It's the, it's the one that's like, it's not, it's not part of you. You you can have the whole top floor be your house where everybody's living and hanging out, but, and that bottom big rec room can be your TV room, but then there's a back bedroom.
0: Yeah. For, and that's for, where for, for some where we kind of mutually agree we
1: want that person to have some space. Yeah, yeah. You go there. There's a, your own bathroom, bottom floor of the split level house. Pow! And <clears throat> I lived in a split level house right as I was transitioning into being a teenager, and I couldn't have been happier. That was circa Ozzy Osbourne's Blizzard of Oz, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, I worked out a situation. I I, I designed a system where I could sit in bed and I had a string that I could pull that went up to an eye bolt above my bed and then the string went across the ceiling to an eye bolt on the far side of the room and then down to the knob for, to the pull-out knob that turned on my TV. Oh, my goodness. And my TV was, you know, like a little, red. it was red uh, plastic, TV that was seriously about the size of one of these Amazon boxes like a portable TV a portable TV that's right and so I could pull this I could pull out this the on button and of course we only had three channels plus PBS yep and uh, I would pull I, I would uh, pull the TV on and watch Mel's diner <laughs> and then I had a uh, I had another rope, another piece of string that went up and turned on the light. I had this whole system. (laughs) And in my bathroom, I had a jar of Lipton's Instant Iced Tea, which I drank like five tall glasses of a day. Oh my God, me too. Not realizing that it was full of caffeine. I would drink a pitch. I would watch Carol Burnett and drink an entire picture of that by myself. Wasn't that incredible stuff? That
0: Lipton's Tea? We would get the, the, the Nest Tea. And yeah, nasty. All you, all you do is add water
1: and yeah. a pitcher with ice cubes, and then you're just, you're just drinking sugary tea for an hour. Drinking sugar tea. I loved it. I still have a jar of it in my pantry, which I never touch. I just have it there. I have it in the pantry just to look at it and go like, <sighs> yep, because I drank so much of that. Oh, God, me too. And uh, I was so happy. You could make it there right in your room. You could make it in the room. So So I had my own corner of the house and i had it rigged up exactly how i wanted it i there was a little desk where i could build my model of the uss enterprise then i do not mean the fucking spaceship i mean the aircraft carrier oh, okay and um <laughs> wouldn't want people to think you're a nerd no no i was building the aircraft carrier <laughs> actually which is, which is cool <laughs> and not the starship enterprise Which was also... If you meant
0: Starship Enterprise, you wouldn't have said USS Enterprise. I would have said Starship. Mm -hmm. That's right.
1: Uh, (laughs) I remember in 19... What would this have been? You know, 80, 81. I remember building a model of a B-52 bomber. Because in 1981, during the Reagan administration, the B-52 bomber was slated to be retired. And I, and I was working hard on this model because I wanted to finish it before the B-52 was taken out of service. And for those of you listening at home, <clears throat> you know that the B-52 is still in service. Wow. So I was in a big hurry in 81 to get this thing done because it was going to be replaced with the new, <clears throat> the new B-1 bomber. Brand new B-1 bomber. Reagan administration was going to build a thousand of these. Oh, of course, right. That was a big deal. Yeah, and then it got it wasn't a good bomber and it and it didn't it got canceled. But not canceled. it They built like, you know, however many of them. And then they decided, well, we'll keep these B52s around. I think the B1 bombers are still flying too. The ones that we built are still flying. Um anyway, that's a little bit of an aside. But and not that this show ever has an aside. Mm-mm, mm-mm. God forbid. But, yeah, the split-level house, I, it, it wasn't actually a basement. You wouldn't call it a basement. You would call it, even though it was slightly subterranean, right? It was, it was three feet of it was underground. But, uh, but, I, but I miss that. I miss that separate area. I don't have that in my house. I need a separate area, Merlin. Oh, my God.
0: It would be so nice. And it's, it's like, you know, grown-up dads get a den. Yeah. Again, like, like, like the great Mike Brady, the architect, mm-hmm. You know, he had his den and he went in there and he did his work at his table mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, you weren't supposed to bug him. Mm-mm. You know, that was dad's area. No, you don't
1: bug dad when he's in his den.
0: I think it's something, it's, fun, it's so funny, you're pinpointing this to exactly a time in my life when I was very much the same way where like, I was always trying to find a new enclave. And for some kids, maybe that was a tree house, but for me, that would be like, I decided to one day like set up a second room for myself (laughs) in our third bedroom. We had a very small house, but it was three bedrooms in this very small house. And there was this one kind of junk room that had an old single bed in it. But that's where I would hang up the pictures of Charlie's Angels that I'd cut out of magazines. And I had a a separate radio in
1: there. Wait a minute, you were allowed or you felt empowered enough to just... Publicly hang up your Charlie's Angels posters. Yeah, my mom worked a lot. I was a latchkey oh, kid, so I,
0: I could inhabit this room. That's where I kept my copy of uh, Emily Post's etiquette, uh-huh. all, all of my almanacs. I used Miss Manners myself. Yeah, had the, we had, had Amy f- Vanderbilt and uh, and Emily Post. Did and you, I, you I would ever, read that? I would read that uh, a couple times a week.
1: You didn't read the Miss Manners book. That first Miss Manners book had so many manners in it, um, and she was a very funny writer. She's she's underrated. She's a very funny writer. Uh, she's a funny writer, and she uh, she gave great advice. And so my two books were Miss Manners' Guide to... What was it? Miss Manners' Guide to... Uh,
0: something Exquisitely Correct Behavior or that's something right, like that. That's right.
1: Uh, for the first one, and then uh, The Preppy Handbook. Oh, I and loved that. Uh, Lisa Birnbaum. Yeah, and I would pore over those two books... I love trying, The Preppy Handbook. ...trying to figure out exactly what... The behavior was exactly what balance I was going to strike between this behavior the the polite and accepted behavior and the completely inappropriate behavior that was going to balance it out
0: but the preppy handbook was not precisely like an on the nose parody, but I yeah. think it was fairly tongue in cheek but i didn't really treat it that way
1: no i didn 't even understand that it was meant as a joke until later right uh, when somebody when I first learned that the preppy handbook was was a pair it was like a was ironic i was a little bit taken aback and i played it off right the person was like oh that book's hilarious and i said huh and they were like oh that's, that's like it's like a, like it's some it's mocking preps and i was like oh haha ha, yeah yeah of course yeah right Mo- mocking pre- and then i kind of like walked away and
0: i was like mocking preps I think you're describing something that a lot of people do. So I had that room. I had at one point when we moved into a different place, we had a, uh, when I moved to Florida, we had an attic with pull down stairs. We had pulled down stairs. Oh, installed. really? Oh, yeah. So the, all of our Christmas stuff, all of our old stuff, was up there. But like at a certain point, it, really at that same time, I was a little older than you. But about 1981, mm. I started spending a lot of my time in the attic. <laughs> so I would pull down the stairs. I would uh, you pulled the, you pulled on this door. You know what I'm uh, talking about, right? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Sears for sure. would come out to your house and install this. And so huh? it was amazing. And so reek, this creaky door would come down. <laughs> you pull down these steps. And then you could go up into the attic. And I had made a space where I'd covered up some of the insulation and the beams. Again, now I move my books up there. I have a radio up there. I have some drinks up there. <laughs> probably, probably not the most hygienic thing. But like the same same pattern. I would go up there and like uh, inhabit the life that I wanted to have up there. I would yep. be a gentleman up there. Yep. I would have my own <laughs> one-man teenage gentleman's
1: club. Now, you've heard Hodgman describe his house, haven't you?
0: Um,
1: Probably his parents his parents lived in a gigantic uh east coast central boston like one of those it's it's like a it's like right. a brownstone but it was enormous i do remember this he had a, he they gave him accommodations didn't they and he had his own apartment he had two God. rooms a bathroom a, you know and he was he was a only child and and very autonomous, and he set it up even with, like, ferns and stuff. Uh, he had a TV area, like, couches. Uh, he had his, I mean, it was basically his own grown-up, what he imagined to be his own grown-up uh, living space. Like what Dick Cavett's house would look like. Like like Dick Cavett's, yeah, exactly. And then the, then this uh, <laughs> this house had room for boarders who had their own apartments. So, oh, my God, what that a dream. Was, I know. Can you imagine all right, Merlin, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to make a second cup of coffee here. Oh, okay. Uh, so, <clears throat> pardon me well, this if I just...
0: Uh, this will give me a minute uh, to tell you about Casper mattresses. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's do. <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Casper. To learn more right now, please visit casper.com supertrain Oh, this is so very easy to understand. You heard us talking about Casper just a minute ago. Just see right over there. Casper is a company that offers an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price, and their mattresses are so good, you might just leave it in the guest room and sleep on it, just like uh, internet celebrity John Roderick. Casper's mattress is a -a one-of-a-kind mattress. It's a new kind of hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. It's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. The best of two technologies coming together for better nights and brighter days. I have been sleeping on this, Casper, I swear to God, for over a year. And I love it. My lady friends and I sleep on it. Don't be creepy. I love this thing so much. I love the quality of the product. I love the sleep that I get from it. Thank you. But you know what? Even over a year after getting this thing, I am still just stunned at how easy this company is to deal with. And that matters. This entire process is so painless. If you've ever tried to go into one of those junky stores where you go and lay on a mattress for five seconds and decide if that's how you want to spend a third of your life, stop it. It's nonsense. Ponderous. With Casper, a surprisingly small box, maybe a little bigger than like a small file cabinet, appears at your door. You carry that up to your room by yourself and you just slide open this little bag with this little mattress in it that suddenly becomes a very big mattress and the mattress exhales, inhales. It takes a breath. It draws a breath. It goes, (gasps) and now within minutes, you have everything you need for a good night's sleep. It's that easy. It's that simple. Here's the part that's nuts. Casper has an equally simple risk-free trial and return policy. So you can try sleeping on your Casper mattress for 100 nights. And if for some reason it's not to your liking, you can send it back. That's free delivery, painless returns, made in America, and sleep glorious sleep. The prices for these things are so crazy. $500 for a twin size, all the way up to $950 for a king. And on top of it all, Casper has a limited special offer to listeners of Roderick on the line. You get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash and using that offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout, terms and conditions do apply. Our thanks to Casper for many a great night's sleep and for supporting Roderick on the lawn.
1: I'm kind of an expert on them, but I want to hear about them more. All right, here we go. I'm going to make this thing. I'm going to do it. You you go ahead with the Caspers. No, no, I'll do it after. Oh, I see. Good. Sorry. I'm making a long. It's a long pull. Mm. I'm going to do a long pull this time. hmm
0: these are the dreams of the other. Of
1: How are you? Fine. Fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine.
0: You'll fine. save it for the show. Should we just leave all this in? I gotta yeah. I gotta put Casper here somewhere.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. Uh yeah. this feels this, you know, this feels a little bit. Like neither neither fish nor fowl. Is this the show? I mean I was gonna I was gonna <clears throat> I was gonna give you a play by play on the on the show. Wait a cure, minute, can you can you talk
0: ring. while you're making coffee?
1: Oh my god! Do you hear that? Do you hear the leave sound it, of the coffee? All this peanut?
0: in, yeah. No, that sounds amazing. I want one now.
1: And I want to pee. <laughs> I know that's my coffee being made in my own in my own mug. Now, who? How many people can say that? I mean, I guess anybody that works in an auto supply place. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess a lot of people have mugs uh, with their own business on them, but not with their face on them. No. Ugh. What, um, so disgusting. What flavor are you doing? Well, so so with the Keurig uh came like a sample pack. Mm-hmm. Right? Sample pack of all the different flavors that you might want. Coffee? Yeah, and it's kind of a what we got was kind of a strange collection. You get the fake Dunkin' Donuts, yep. you, you get Don- like donut shop. <laughs> no, donut shop. <laughs> donut shop here's what i got english breakfast tea which i don't want chai latte i don't want that nope hazelnut flavored something i do not want that uh eight o'clock the original medium roast coffee i'll probably use that yeah swiss miss hot cocoa unlikely but maybe uh my kid will be here sometime and then these various things breakfast blend caribou blend starbucks starbucks dark sumatra is all you need yeah that's, and that's pretty th- good. So uh, and then so I uh, so I didn't know what to do, and so my mom went on the internet, which is I mean she is the she is the eighty one year old lady that loves the internet, and uh, and she bought me an like eighty of these from Costco or no I'm sorry from Office Depot, and um, they're all Starbucks brand, so I have I have coffee for days. Yeah. And maybe one day I'll want a chai latte. Yeah, it's worth a try. Okay, so now I've got this cup of coffee. It's it's very full because I got the long pull. Mm-hmm. Sitting back down, I've got my my two creamers that don't spoil. And uh, do you make it dark?
0: Do you use the option to make it dark? I prefer dark. Do you do. You know, there's a dingus to make it dark.
1: Uh, what what's the dingus?
0: Well, I'm trying to remember. We haven't used ours in months because it's broken. But. Uh, but uh when you're on the screen god the interface on this thing sucks but i remember there's a section like once you drop the thing it's like are you ready to make coffee now oh
1: no mine doesn't have a screen no screen no mine is just a simple one that just is like it just has buttons Uh, it has like three buttons do you want this oh man that's attractive ours
0: is really we have as you know we have a pretty small kitchen it's a big footprint like if you commit to this thing you're not gonna have other things around
1: oh no this thing is just the size of a normal coffee maker is that right yeah, it's just a little. It's just big. It's it's the size of a rugby ball if a rugby ball was shaped like a coffee the, maker, like a coffee maker or like the matador for uh, Porto Port. Okay, right. Okay, it's a, it's a rugby ball sized matador. All right. Hmm. Okay. How oh, this coffee looks good? Is it an oh, office boy. Office Pro? Might be an Office Pro. Huh. I'm I, it's this is a professional office. That's a much smaller footprint. Yeah. And I think and I hope that it breaks less easily. Ours it,
0: gets clogged. Ugh. It gets clogged. It doesn't work. You end up wasting those very expensive little buckets cuz it didn't run right. Ugh. And so there's been lots of advice from people on how to clean it. We've cleaned it. I think ours is defective and it's super disappointing cuz it was pretty expensive.
1: Yeah, that sucks. Now what, what you used to be an advocate of the fizzy water maker.
0: Yeah, I still I still like the fizzy water water maker. I I I I I go. My problem is this is how my brain works. Like I'll I'll be up to date and buying lots of those canisters. The canisters are not inexpensive. No,
1: and they they go you go
0: through them. You do, but it is in the end
1: way
0: less expensive than cans. Way less expensive and, and less wasteful, yeah. but it's a lot of effort. You got to. I drink a lot of seltzer water. Yes, you do. I do. I mean, I drink uh, at least over a 12-pack of seltzer a day.
1: Now, and you used to drink Coke, right, or something? When I was a youngster,
0: I drank in the days of my attic days, I, I would drink a lot of Coke. Did you see this is the photo I sent you? I, I found and sent you a photo of the nesty tea uh, that I remember from childhood. With that green label.
1: Oh, that's exactly the Nest Tea with the green stripy cap. Ah,
0: Carol Burnett. Oh. And so, yeah, I used to drink, like, way too much Coke. It's really weird. I can't, I, I just can't even drink it today. Like, I'll get a Mexican Coke twice a year, and I'm like, ugh, this is just, this is too
1: much. I don't, you know, the Nest tea, I bet the Nest tea had even more sugar in it. I'll bet you. Oh, for sure. That Nest tea was, I can't even believe how much, you know, it was the, it was the early 80s, and they still were feeding kids garbage. yes. Like like Tang and, and nest tea in a jar, that was just terrible, terrible stuff. But it seemed like uh, nobody thought for a second about providing me a 12-year-old or 13-year-old with as much tea, as much sugar tea as I could consume.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, there was way more background sugar. So like today, my daughter loves candy. She loves chocolate, all, all things chocolate, and she will eat all of the chocolate. That's not good. I wish that were a habit we had not started. But I still think, in my gut, I still feel like it's nothing like what we had as kids. Between things like breakfast cereals, things like uh, powdered drinks, uh, I'll really put it this way. Until I was in probably college, I actively disliked drinking a glass of water. Like I did that. <laughs> uh, me too. Nobody I knew drank water. I no, drank it so much like, water. Uh, it seemed like, uh, like something
1: like some, you were being cheated.
0: Yeah. It's weird. It would be like, you know, it would be like having a machine that dispensed mana or something. You'd be like, why, why, why are you having, why would you have that? Why don't you have something real? Why would, was Why would you drink water? Why would you drink water? Like you have it on the side in a little glass at dinner, maybe. But like I drink, I water is my primary thing that I drink now. And uh, yeah, just never did, never did. But but the background sugar in everything. I mean, we, when we went shopping, and my mom was a good mom. She But like she, we would just buy stuff like Hostess cakes. You yeah, just sure. Have these things in the house. You would go to you would to lunch. You would take to lunch. You would just like have a Twinkie. Like 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 that's a thing.
1: See, I didn't. Now this is going to be. This is going to sound weird to you, right? This is this was along the lines of the fact that I don't eat potatoes. We don't eat potatoes at all. You know this about me? Do I? <laughs> I do not. Nor have I ever eaten potatoes in any form.
0: This is like finding out you're gay or not gay.
1: This is huge. You 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 you, you just you reject them. I reject potatoes. Now I will eat mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving that are that have gravy on them. Oh sure. And if I'm sitting at a table and someone is lauding some fries, which is something people do, right? They're like, These are great fries or these are awful fries. People talk about their fries. They do talk about their fries. And if I'm sitting at a table and somebody's like, Oh, these fries are amazing. These are the best fries, I'll reach over and try a fry. But otherwise, I have never ordered a French fry. I have never eat. I do not like potato chips in any of any kind. I don't like hash browns. I don't like any kind of potato. You don't eat home fries. Look, look. I will put little russet potatoes in a stew that I'm making. Or maybe like a corned beef hash. No, I don't eat a corned beef hash. Wow. I will eat corned beef all day, but a corned beef hash, I've never. I have never had a corned beef hash. Oh my god, this is I, I feel like I'm tripping. I don't want any kind of one of those breakfasts where it's all jumbled together with potatoes. Oh, served in a sewer lid. I don't I don't want one. I will cover with white sauce. I do not want potatoes, Sam. I do not want them, Sam. I am. Mm-hmm. No potatoes. And this is the, I never wanted them, even when I was a little kid. You go to a kid's party and they throw potato chips at you through a cannon. <laughs> And you're like no thank you. I do not want them. I it's want It's one of
0: those things that's not candy. It's like noodles or rice. It's one of those things that you can mostly depend on most kids to want to eat.
1: Yeah, right. You and and the thing is in the world they will they will shove potatoes at you. I mean, you you may not even notice it, but when you're someone who doesn't eat potatoes, which I have to say, I'm the only one I've ever met. But potatoes are given to you as a as Maybe your primary starch option about sixty percent of the time. Oh yeah, and I don't like them. So do you? Do you have? Can, I don't want to take care for
0: game, but did you? Do, can you trace back to do you, as long as you can remember? You've, you've not wanted potato.
1: You've rejected potatoes as long as you can remember. The first potato I ever had, I didn't. I didn't like, and I never liked a subsequent potato. Never looked back. And what they seemed like to me was a kind of grainy grease holder. Right? It was like they it's it's actually yes. <laughs> it's actually a grease delivery device and salt grease and salt delivery device where the underlying uh, substance is a sort of grainy muck that tastes like muck or tastes like dirt it's a it tastes like dirt it has the consistency of dirt and it's slathered with grease and salt this is super interesting to me and so and even if you're even if they're fried to a crisp you can still taste that grainy dirt and then the, and no matter how much salt and fat you put on them, I still taste mud. So I, I, so, I mean, I was four years old and I was like, I don't want potatoes. Don't give me those. And the thing is that most people, if you don't want potatoes, they just take your potatoes. Or I think what it is is everybody recognizes that potatoes are garbage food. So if they put potatoes on your plate <laughs> and you don't eat them, they just throw them away. Like nobody ever says, why didn't you eat your potatoes? Because everybody realizes it's just garbage. Oh. It's pre garbage. Oh. Well I, it's, I,
0: it's, I, now, okay, I was with you for a while,
1: but now you're just talking crazy words now. It's like pre compost. Ugh. Hm. So, so, here, this is all in prelude to what I was about to say, which is that I don't like Twinkies. Yeah. I like
0: ding dongs. Uh, the ding dong's more like, uh, is that the cupcake one?
1: No, no, no! It's uh, the ding dong is wrapped in foil. It's the size and shape of a hockey puck, and it's oh, the ding dong! Yes, yeah, it's chocolate on the outside and uh, whatever that lardy sugar fat. It's, cream just, it's
0: the thing is though. Th- yes, I'm remember, it's, but it's just barely any of its constituent parts it's just barely chocolate it's just barely cake and it's just like, ba- barely a filling thing
1: the chocolate is is largely wax it's the, very waxy the cake is also wax and the filling is just law lo- it's just oleo with sugar Ugh. and i loved them i loved a ding dong and the th- oh here's the thing though those hostess cakes on the east coast have different names than on the west coast yeah people Twink- could people say yeah exactly go ahead well twinkies are the same uh huh. But then they're they have different names for all the other stuff, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think it's one of those uh, best foods Hellman's type situations, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Where you give a different name on the east and west coast, right?
1: And but my experience was that the Twinkie was the potato chips of of lard cake. Hmm. So if hmm. you were if you were going to have one kind of of kids sugar lard cake, it was going to be a Twinkie. Oh, you got Zingers. Forgot about Zingers yeah Zinger. singers
0: you don't always see this advertised during uh, charlie brown specials and they were like a little cake with a, a funny kind of like it's a vanilla cake with a, a creamy topping on them mm-hmm. kind of like a kind of like a frosting you got twinkies you got cupcakes you got donuts i do remember the tiny donuts i enjoyed a tiny donut
1: now now what was the what was the one that looked like a yule log
0: oh yeah i know what you mean is that a ho-ho
1: is that a ho-ho? It like might have a been a ho-ho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, the, is that a hostess ho-ho? We didn't, I mean, I don't, in my culture. In my not culture, a ding-dong. Yeah, you got a ho-ho. You, it's a rolled up thing. Yeah, we didn't used to get ho-hos very often. That was more of a, that seemed like something special. Get a oh ho-ho. Oh, this is horrible. But I a ding-dong. So
0: When my mom would get her hair done, I'd go to the pony keg next door and get a chocolate milk and, and a couple ho-hos and I just thought I did it like it was a normal thing. Oh,
1: chocolate milk and a couple ho-hos. I want that now. Mm. Uh, or I'm sorry, a couple of of the uh, so but this was this was the problem as as I got older, the amount of wax oh yeah, went up and the size and and moistness of the ding-dong went down. A host a, of snowballs. I forgot about snowballs. No, I would never eat a snowball. No, snowballs that's totally not in my wheelhouse. Oh, no, no no. A snowball seemed like an old lady food. Yeah. Uh, so, so let me just say my childhood was, was kind of bookended and characterized by the fact that on one end I would not eat potatoes and on the other end I didn't like Twinkies. Oh brother. I was just like, what is this? What, what, what kind of kid is this? People would say that to me. What kind of kid are you? Right. Right. You don't like the two great kid foods.
0: It's like saying you don't want to watch TV. It's one of those things that doesn't even register as having something sensible to
1: it. You'd be like, Oh no, I'd, I'd rather just read quietly. What? You don't want to watch TV? Like that that's weird. <laughs> Ki- kids would come to my house and and knock on the door and say, Mrs. Roderick, can John come out and play? And my mom would come into my room and say, Hey, uh, you know, Todd uh and uh and Tony are here and they want to they want you to go out and play. And I would say, No thanks. <laughs> so wow. mom would go back and say, uh, John's busy, and uh, maybe he'll come out and play later, and they'd be like, oh, okay, and then they'd go play, and I would just be in my room. And eventually uh, they stop knocking. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd be in there just uh, doing, doing what I was doing. doing I'm what, looking doing at these ho-hos. Business.
0: Now I'm remembering, as I look at these horrible things, uh, I would always unroll mine. That was part of my ritual. You know, for any oh. kind of food, you like to have a ritual.
1: Well, yeah, but I've never heard of that. Unroll your ho-ho?
0: Unroll your ho-ho. And the, the character for the ho-ho was Happy Ho-Ho, who uh, is a cylindrical Robin Hood character who's quivering. He's bouncing I, a little bit.
1: I think that's East
0: Coast only. Happy Ho-Ho. You got this captain guy who is a cupcake. You got Twinkie. Of course you remember Twink- Twinkie the Kid. Of course. Yeah. like The cowboy Twinkie. Cowboy Twinkie.
1: But uh, will you send me some pictures of these Ho-Hos uh, in their na- native environment?
0: Yeah, you just do a Google search
1: on Hostess Ho-Ho. Oh, I see. So you're not going to send me them. Oh, you're sorry. Gonna, I sure can. I'm going I, I, search I, for them jeez <laughs> you, you never when
0: i send you things in the robot you don't respond i don't know if you got it sometimes i hear you pausing because i think you're confused you heard a bleep noise
1: yeah that happens oh look at all of these there's dig oh see some of these some of these are either later packaging or yeah. they are not that's not canonical
0: though. oh now i'm remembering king dawn was king dawn was the mascot of the of the uh of the uh, ding dong he kind of looks like I, you a little bit. He's got a crown and a scepter and a big white uh, mustache.
1: Maybe that's what I liked about He's it. He's King Ding Don. King Ding Don. Mm-hmm. Mm, uh, no, although I did just watch that movie, The Big Short, and the fact that Brad Pitt looked like angry me All right. through the whole thing. I was like, he lo- just looks like me when I'm depressed and angry. I thought of you. I saw Bruce Falanche on Shark Tank not long ago. Stop saying Bruce Valanche.
0: <laughs> I haven't said that in three years.
1: God damn it. And then, <laughs> you know what that does? That just sets a bunch of people off, and they all start sending me pictures of Bruce Valance. Uh, so mad. So mad. So I'm I'm not against
0: the idea of the Keurig. I, now at work, I do. So I've got this Cuisinart pot that I like because it's got six buttons on it for different temperatures. Mm. And it goes from... 160, 175, 185, all the way up to boiling. So if you want to have a, you know like a green tea, you're not gonna like singe it. It's nice.
1: Well why doesn't it just have a, a gradiated knob?
0: Oh, I don't know. That that that's that's like from another generation.
1: A knob? Yeah. You're telling me that they've done away with the knob? I guess they have. Well the bespoke buttons work pretty great and it's super fast. I haven't seen a knob in a long time on a thing.
0: You should talk to John Syracuse about this because this is what drives him crazy about the way the toasters work got a lot uh-huh. to say about toast does
1: he he wants a knob he wants a uh a he wants a lot thing?
0: you know what i'm not going to get into it he wants a lot of things about toaster ovens oh, I oh, th- we oh, had a toaster oh. oven we had a either it was a probably a black and decker we had a black and decker toaster now as, as long as i'm talking about being 10 we had a black and decker toaster oven when i was a kid that was probably the greatest oven ever made you could you could make great toast in it you could make stouffer's uh uh french bread pizza in it oh, those were good you know
1: boy those were good well, let me tell you another thing that you may not know about me. Yeah. Never had a toaster oven.
0: This is just, this is too much for one day. Never,
1: Wait never a had. minute. So no, no potatoes, right. no toaster oven. No toaster oven. We didn't have one in the house.
0: Wait, what was, there's another thing. There's another thing you're very famous about. What was the one where your mom was going to make you eat them and you wouldn't eat it? It was, you have another food that you're dead set against. Well, olives. Olives. I don't eat olives. You won't have a muffaletta? No. mm Think about a muffaletta. Okay. Working on it. Got it. Blech. Oh, Yeah, that's gross. You're right.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, but you know, my mom made me sit in front of some bowls of peas a couple of times where I didn't eat the peas and she was like, that's what you're going to have for breakfast then. And I called her bluff and then I had peas for breakfast, cold peas. Mm. And then I called her bluff on that and I had cold peas for lunch. And then, at a, and then I started to cry. Oh, you're lucky you didn't get pea boarded. <laughs> and then at dinner, cold peas. And then I really was crying. Oh, she, you, she stuck with that? Yeah, she fucking Oh, I would have
0: crumbled after 10 minutes. She no, stayed no, with no. it that long?
1: No, cold peas. She
0: moved her day around to make sure
1: you got peas. That's right. Cold peas in front of me until I choked those cold peas down, gagging, like theatrically gagging with every spoon of cold peas, with her just sitting there, you know, just placid-faced, like, eat the peas. Oh, my god! I wish. Or, you, or you get no food. So that's it.
0: Not there's no other food you're going to get until these peas are done. This is this is a uh, this is a a dependency. These
1: need to get done. Yeah, yeah. What what I was finding was same peas, right? It's not (sighs) it's not she's putting out new cold peas. It is that these peas were once hot and they cooled down and they're not going to get hot again. You're going to see this bowl of peas until they grow a skin on them. Do you
0: feel like what? Well, do you have a sense of what she wanted to
1: accomplish, and do
0: you think she accomplished it? Because uh, yeah. my 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 question was those things is is like I was just in, in passing. I find myself sometimes doing that, and I realize I'm doing it more out of anger than parenting. Mm. And when I do things more out of anger, tired, whatever frustration, than I am out of actually trying to make a point, that's when I'm like, "What the fuck am I doing?" Because mainly what she's going to remember is I was really super mean and irrational about food.
1: Well, that's my concern. So the irrational and mean about food, like that was my dad, right? He came out. He he. Oh, made the me- eggs. That's it. The eggs. He didn't. Yeah. You didn't like the way he made the eggs. He made the eggs wrong, and. And I had, and I crossed my arms and said, no way, because I like my eggs sunny side up. You don't say and, that to David Roderick. And he made scrambled eggs. Yep. And I was like, no way I mean, I, am I eating those weird eggs. And he was like, oh, you're going to eat these eggs. And we had a battle royale that involved everybody in the family and everybody in the neighborhood uh, <laughs> about the freak, freaking scrambled eggs. So he and I would have showdowns like that. Over Chow Mein, we would have showdowns like that over uh, just a lot of things.
0: Was it? Was it? Was it probably because like he made it his certain way, Mm -hmm. and you didn't like the way he made it? Or oh,
1: oh, here's the crazy thing: he made macaroni and cheese according to the directions on the box.
0: Eight eight quarts of water. (laughs) Who (laughs) needs? Who needs eight quarts of water to make macaroni and cheese? And a four. four, It's at four quarts. Four quarts of water. That's it.
1: Four quarts of water and like half a stick of butter. So the macaroni and cheese sauce would be this like just butter sauce Ugh. basically and so i remember when i was living with my dad and he and oh here's the other great thing and i may have talked about this before a cap marm will know mm-hmm. but he would make the macaroni and cheese sauce. So get this he would make the macaroni and cheese sauce for craft dinner now yeah in a separate pot he would prepare the sauce and then pour the sauce on the noodles when they were done did
0: did that harm the performance
1: characteristics of the craft dinner oh absolutely but he didn't know any better because he was following the instructions on the box and the first thing about craft dinner is you don't follow the instructions that's the first rule of craft dinner club first rule is you just put a little bit of butter in there a little bit of milk a little bit of sauce and then you get that nice like sticky yeah i think it feels fancier to make it separately well, yeah, that's right. He was like, "I'm gonna make your craft dinner, but duh. and it's like opening a can of Chef Boyardee spaghetti and meatballs, and like, and like putting a salad on the plate. I was gonna say <laughs> it's,
0: it's not- a little bit like making somebody boiling bags, Stouffer's, like you know, a beef stroganoff, and like pouring a bunch of fucking truffle oil on top. Yeah, like, don't right. do that. Don't do that. I don't want that.
1: Don't mess around. And, mess and so around. I, I actually called my mom in Seattle, long distance, and said, "Mom, how do you make macaroni and cheese?" because dad is doing it wrong and she said oh here's the secret you think is my, my mom will make craft macaroni and cheese with water Rather not even put milk in it yeah and with a with just a little bit of butter and a little bit of salt and i was like oh my god thank you and you know my mom was doing that because she was a frugal mm-hmm. and b uh like crazy or or not crazy but just like your mom has reasons. it strikes me that your mom has
0: reasons why she does most things even if we don't know what that is i think your mom seems to me like she has a reason for almost everything
1: yeah i think what she understood was that the powder the powdered cheese what had once been cheese and all that had been taken out of it was the water okay and so all you needed to do was reconstitute it with water okay and it would have all the characteristics of cheese which it had which she presumed it had once been she didn't realize that it was orange food coloring and dust and and uh iced tea mix it was it, she she understood it to be cheese and all it needed was and if you put a little milk in it that was sort of a luxury like sure go ahead help yourself um so that was a big a big contention between me and my dad i think what my mom was trying to do at a certain point was to say you know what enough and I, as a parent, I don't know. I don't know where that line is yet. It was kind of about the food, but it was more about
0: like, no, she just makes needs to make a stand here. Mm-hmm. This, this that was P, just the pee like, thing is the MacGuffin, the, right. the, but it's really more about like, no, no, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do that. You're not gonna dictate what food gets served.
1: Yeah, you're not. You're you. We are done with you just arbitrarily deciding that you're gonna, you're gonna throw. A wrench into the spokes of my road bike as I pass you, f- trying to be friendly. Yes, trying to be friendly to your Italian bike team, and you put your bike pump in the spokes of my wheel. Talking about the cutters. Talking about the cutters. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, she said enough. I I am making my stand now, and it is over a cold bowl of peas. And uh, here's the here is the. Here is the bad part. Are you ready? Yes. This happened on Easter.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: This bowl of peas happened on Easter. And we had just graduated to a thing where the Easter bunny was not hiding the eggs anymore because we knew that there was no Easter bunny. Mm -hmm. And what we were able to do is the kids could hide eggs for each other and then find the eggs. And then the next kid got an opportunity to hide the eggs for each other. And my mom's boyfriend had five kids. So it was like there were eight kids at this party, everyone hiding eggs for each other. And then it was hide and go seek with eggs. And I was sitting at the dining room table in front of a cold bowl of peas. And so the kids were actually hiding eggs around me. They would come into the dining room and they would hide eggs around me, hide eggs oh, on this my is, chair. This is, this is complicated. They would, were hiding eggs for each other on my and right around me, while I'm sitting there crying over a cold bowl of peas, it was, it was truly like a, it was, it is singed in my memory. Yep. And this is one of those things that if my, uh, my mom listens to this podcast periodically, and then she comes to me and she says, "That's not how it happened," and I say, "You have a selective memory about things, about instances where you were." standing in my closet stomping on my toys cuz i had put in them.
0: <laughs> no, has she has she uh had equal time for that. Has she no! said she didn't
1: do it. No, she denies it completely and she says that's not how it happened. Here's how it happened and then she tells some story that is not at all a true story. She says some she says some bananas stuff about how I was a bad kid or something. But <sighs> she was a great mom. She never yeah. laid a finger on me.
0: I I struggled to try and make the right point because and it, it is is in all honesty um, uh, trying to make the right point gets so clouded by all the different layers of being inside my own head uh, combined with trying to do the right thing. But, like, I find it very difficult to know, you know, here's the thing. It's like, this is, uh, it's like Buddhism. Like, if everything's going well in life, program you program is this? You want to open some mail? <laughs> you don't think about how things are going until they're not going well. So we could have the most perfect day in the world, but then, like, if it gets toward, you know, it's bath time and it's time to stop doing whatever the fun thing is now, whether that's watching TV or video games or drawing or reading or whatever, and now it's time to do the next thing. Those transition times are, you know, that's that's where things are tough. And like I find myself this is not interesting, no one cares. But like I find myself really struggling with like, okay, what's the point that I want to make here? Mm-hmm. Is the point that I want to make that you're not gonna push me around? Wow, that's a really weird point to make. You're supposed to be the adult here. Is the point that like sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do? Is the point here that you know, there's there's I, I and i just have to be very careful that i not get emotional before i understand what the point is mm-hmm. because it's it's very easy if you especially if you take something personally and especially especially if you don't realize you're taking it personally it gets ugly and stupid fast and i end up apologizing mm-hmm. and saying that was really silly of me i'm not sure why i was so short with you but that was wrong and that's when the tears really come cuz now i'm apologizing
1: oh do you do you ever do that well the other day she stomped her foot at me We were out in, we were out in public and I said, uh, here's what we're going to do next. And she said, that's not what I want to do. I want to do this. And I said, well, we can't do that because we're, we have to do this. We have to do this other thing. We have to go in this direction because of reasons. And she turned, put her hands on her hips, like little fists on her hips and stomped her feet at me and said, no, daddy. what about you dad and i said with a big smile on my face don't you stomp your feet at me you don't stomp your feet at me i am daddy and i don't get feet stomped at me and she's just at the age she's rather still at the age where i can say that and she puts that into her function machine and she goes oh i didn't realize that you don't stomp your feet at daddy like, yeah, that, that,
0: that, that doesn't work for that that long. <laughs> right, and that's what I, I could see that already. Right? And but, you've, you've now, you've made some kind of little uh, encoding trail in her brain that you may never be able to take back.
1: Well, and so, I, and so I don't know what I'm doing here, right? Like, you don't stomp your feet at daddy. And so <laughs> what, that, what that means is... <laughs> How will she use that when she's 35? <laughs> well, and she, so I could see it going in her head like, well, what that means is, A, you do stomp your feet at other people. And daddy is a special case. And B, Daddy thinks you don't stomp your feet at him, which I will accept now because the because it's unclear what the results will be if I do. Right. That's still on she's still unsure exactly what daddy is capable of. And so, but there will come a day when she goes, Oh yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens if you stomp your feet at daddy. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what I'm gonna do. What do you do? It's already, I've already laid down a law that you don't stomp your feet at daddy. And I did it with a big smile on my face because I thought it was cute as hell when she was stomping her feet at me. Of course. With her little fists on her hips. But now what do I do when she stomps her feet at daddy and I say, you don't stomp your feet at daddy. And then she does it again. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I I totally agree. Here's
0: the other one. Like For example, like if your kid's real little, I mean, this is like, so we've never... We've never hit our kid. We're not a hitting family. Mm -hmm. But, like, the one way that I can understand, like, a smack on the butt, for example, is, like, don't run into traffic. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to make an impression on you about something that just happened. So I don't think you have to do that with hitting. But, like, there are times when a kid is, when you are not able to communicate the complexity of why we don't run into the street where you just need to make an impression. Mm-hmm. i do, I do think that that probably i could be wrong I'm sure you will get email you'll get email about this I don't get email, <laughs> but there will be people who tell us how we're doing this wrong, especially if they don't have kids but uh but it sometimes you need to make that impression. The trouble is first of all, that only works for so long, mm. and then it becomes what I worry about is then it becomes that like something like i what i don't want to have that turn into is if things don't go his way, dad gets mad mm hmm But like, so what is the point that I want to make? There is the point there that like that's you're being unkind right now, or you're not you're not listening to how your feelings are making you you know be right now. Like, what is what is my sage piece of advice at that that amounts to you don't stomp your feet at daddy? Mm
1: -hmm. And I don't know. So where do you think she learned the stomp? Oh, I you know I imagine that the stomp is partly innate in her, uh, and partly she's going through a phase right now where she's she is real. I mean, she's always bossed everybody, but she's really doubling down on like uh no right she's just no to everything and you know my my goal at this point is really not i'm not i don't believe that she has the capacity to understand well even her feelings and so i'm not going through the process yet of uh, of being too complicated in explaining or, or, or in reasoning with her so that she understands you know so that she comes out the other side in better touch with her reality i'm I am at the stage of like you don't stomp your feet at daddy, which is just because that's new it's new to you too yeah it's just what it is it is just a rule it's just a it's just a way of saying enough right you're you are not the boss, and there are a lot of ways that you are trying to assert that you are the boss and there are some realms in which you are the boss like I give you lots and lots of things where lots of situations where you are absolutely the boss you decide but there are things that you don't decide right Uh, and what where we're going to eat dinner is not a thing that you decide we'll take your input but in the end that's going to be something that mama decides you do not decide uh, about crossing the street and you don't decide what we're gonna do next if daddy says we can't do this we have to go do that like because reasons you don't decide and your right. input is, in these matters is you know there will come a day in a purely advisory role right and and the thing is I, and my feeling about it even before she was born I, I, I talked about this at length within my family was that every birthday and, in, and now that we've established that there are such things as half birthdays and <laughs> fucking quarter birthdays which I don't know oh, <clears throat> that didn't I didn't that didn't even that, come I don't think from, that's a thing John that didn't come from me I I established the precedent of half birthdays and I immediately regretted it but then she learned that in addition to halves their half of a half was a quarter mm. and she was like it's my quarter birthday and I was like my quarter birthday is coming up and I was like oh my god I've never heard of that your quarter birthday and she was like yeah don't I get a cupcake on my quarter birthday and I was like "Ugh." Oh, yeah okay i just was i you know she's young quarter birthdays i don't know i established it as a precedent and now i'm sure she's at 16 years old she's gonna be like it's my quarter birthday but i did say in advance of her even being born that there that she should be accorded new rights and privileges as a as a birthday present so now you are seven and you get to pick the follow you get to you are now empowered within the family to be this, have, have these new rights and responsibilities so that she, that she, so that she thinks of every birthday not just as a time when she gets presents but as another Masonic level in her path to being a 33rd degree Mason.
0: But mainly, mainly wanting more uh,
1: rights and responsibilities. Well, right, but, but, but trying to impart to her that here are your new rights – and here are your new responsibilities so that the two things go hand in hand. So now you can dress yourself without arguing with your mama. You can wear whatever you want. But that means that you put your clothes in the laundry when you get undressed at night. Huh, good luck. You know, well, but, you know, this is the thing. And if you if you do not perform the responsibility, then you then the right is retracted. I understand. I understand. I, I, believe me, I understand. Yeah. Oh, I know i know and but we'll see you know we'll see and this is the thing about like don't stop your feet at daddy and it may just be that that um this uh what i don't understand is what the consequences are i know i know and if if she's like oh i'm gonna keep dressing myself but i am not gonna put my clothes in the laundry then i don't know whether she sits in front of a cold bowl of peas or all of her clothes disappear in the night and all that's left is uh the white boiler suits from the earliest incarnation of the police. Well, that's good. You should, you're you going to gaslight her. <laughs> you know, where she just wakes up I, in the morning? I had nothing to do with that. Uh, yeah. th- that's just life that did that to you. Yeah, there's just six boiler suits, and it's like, <laughs> hey, baby, there it is. You know, uh, <laughs> Mirror in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and so I don't know. I mean, Daddy does have significant power. Significant power to change actual reality where she comes home. I did this once to my dad. (laughs) He went away for two days on vacation with his girlfriend. And while he was gone, I painted the walls of his house yellow.